Hello, welcome to Local Anaesthetic Podcast, the most trusted name in local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Hello. And this is, Rob, you help me out, is it episode 153? Yes, it is, yeah. It's episode 153 now. That means, prior to this, Rob, there have been 152 episodes. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, and, uh, yeah, how are you doing, mate? New jumper, I said to you when you arrived, a new jumper, a fetching shade of, it's a sort of cross, it's sort of indigo to purple. Well, I thought it was there. purple, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. but It's uh, a dark I mean, purple, it looks good on you. I'll be honest, things are going well, so I thought, well, I'll go down to Primark and get myself a new jumper. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know what, I bought two Alex, at uh, a very reasonable price of £6 each. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Especially as I was in Uniqlo the other day, and I know theirs are made out of merino wool yeah. and cashmere, but theirs were like £80, £120, and I thought... What kind of mug spends that much on a jumper? But anyway. Very true, very true. Uh, oh, by the way, Rob, you, you gave me a suggestion last week about jeans and that your, oh, su- yes. your suggestion wasn't good. I'm, really? I'm sick of this fad of skinny jeans, right? And in nice. Bershka, even their regular size jeans are still skinny. Well, these are, these are Bershka jeans. Yeah, well, well obviously not anymore, Rob. I, I had to get my je- I went around so many places and in the end, right. Uniqlo is obviously good, but in the end, expensive, but in the end I went even more expensive, was Gap, because Gap seemed to be the only people still doing Roomy jeans that well, don't make you look like an indie. I mean, let's face it, they have to. They're American companies, so exactly. they need to cater for their market. Yeah, exactly. Now, Rob. Just before yeah. we start. I was going to say, yeah, don't preempt me, mate. I was going to say any news. Oh, sorry. Right, right, okay. Um, not really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two things I will mention is that, uh, first of all, um, we, well, we, I say we, I put a comment on both Twitter and also Facebook, asking listeners what they thought of the waving goodbye to the episode feature. And I'm it's delighted... It's not a feature, Rob. Well, it is, Alex. It's a feature. Right. It's, 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 it's just a natural... It's something we can shelve. Like it's a natural rest. conclusion to that it's not going anywhere, Rob. Alex, I have to say there was overwhelming agreement with me. What's there? I've just looked at the Facebook page. There's nothing fucking on there. About this. Have you, have you? I saw some nice posts from Kai, though, which I think you might mention later. Yeah, not... I'm sorry about that, Kai, but I must admit, I've, I've kind of missed those, and so I bet you we will come on to that. Uh, yeah, okay, so no, no, no one. What else is your news? Stop it. trying to. All right, well. Cramp my style. I felt I needed to put it to Craig to give him a writer reply to your Hang on. scurrilous. I've made a few. I've made a few. I've made a few off-the-cuff remarks. One was that I speculated. I thought that he lived in a caravan. Yep. And two was that he's never left Wales. Yeah. But they were. I did apologise for them. They were just speculations. They didn't mean anything. Well, I've, this is his comment in response to. Where did he leave this? Uh, well, email? I get. I, I asked him to. I, I actually tweeted him saying I'd like some feedback from this once you've heard the latest episode. Is he asking for his money back that he donated? <laughs> no. Actually, I need, that's still sitting in our account. I need, I need to do something with that. It's, it's yeah, like where's my £2.50, you <laughs> bastard? I think it's less than that, by the way, because I, I think the donation website takes a commission. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Quids in. Um, so he says, Sorry for the late reply. I've been busy researching de- defamation law, which I think is fair. Oh. Uh, Alex may mock my living in a car... In, sorry, Alex may mock my living in a skip, but with the caravan extension, it's actually quite... <laughs> Yeah, well, I suppose it's probably bigger than where I live, actually, when he's got that extension on the side. So, uh, luckily, he took it all in good faith. He didn't mention whether he's ever left Wales or not, though. Uh, no, I mean, do you want me to tweet him again to see whether that's uh, whether he wants to give or give us an answer? Yeah, I've got an image of him dr- driving out of Wales, towing a caravan with a skip on top. <laughs> I mean, he's a Liverpool fan, so I'm assuming he must have been out at some stage. Why? Why what? He could be a Liverpool fan and never have left Wales. There's no reason to make that link whatsoever. I mean, I'm trying to think, is there any great footballing teams in Wales? Not really, apart from Uh, Cardiff and Swansea. Are there any great football teams in Liverpool? I'm 
struggling there just to think oh dear I think Craig's just, yeah, just switched off let's face it I, I think, think Arsenal have had a more successful last 15 years than Liverpool have Rob really Champions League yeah, we, they haven't won the league Rob well in that time we've won we won it what three times I'll tell you what listen sedentary we've won, who, who we've won the, six FA Cups who is the more famous the more famous or successful team in the last 15 years of the Premiership well, Arsenal, without a doubt. Yeah, you've just answered your own question. Yeah, well, I, mean, but yeah. I, I would in argue we finished argue... in Champions League places seventeen years in a row. Liverpool haven't. Liverpool did win it, yes, but we've won the Premier League. They haven't got. They've got to second, and they're probably imminently about to sack their manager. But anyway, let's not get into that because we don't want to lose listeners. Right, wow, okay. Craig, uh, I don't mind if you support Liverpool. I love watching Liverpool play. They're a great team. Now, and that Rob is commitment to this podcast. Now, right. listen. Rob, this week we're going to start off with something new and different. Okay. Because I'm going to start this week with the general anaesthetic feature. Normally like we like to sandwich it. But Rob, I had to. And listeners will hopefully know why. General anaesthetic is where I report... This podcast is called Local Anaesthetic. We report on local stories from across the UK, which we found funny or amusing, and we get listener-submitted stories. General anaesthetic is where I report on a, a more national story. Yeah. Although this does have a local element to it, what I'm going to talk about. And Rob, I of course have to talk about the allegations in Lord Ashcroft's book that our Prime Minister, whilst at university, as part of an initiation ceremony into a drinking society, inserted his penis into the decapitated head of a dead pig. See, I feel really <laughs> bad for him because I think, I mean, we're both university educated. I mean, is that not something we both did? Um, I mean, for me, it's different. I was down in Sussex. Time, I was down in Sussex. So it was badgers, Rob, down there. Yeah, of course, it would be. Yeah, yeah, badger, yeah. badgers. Yeah. So that's um, why Brian Mason started that campaign. Absolutely, because of bloody Sussex University. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, he wants to keep them for himself, Rob. Yeah. So, Rob, this is from the Guardian, Nadia Kamani, right, twenty first September. Uh, I'm just going to read some excerpts. What? So, just for people who don't know, what have we learned about David Cameron today? An unofficial biography of David Cameron written by Conservative donor Lord Ashcroft, which is remarkable. This is the biggest donor. He's a massive donor. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that, I think that's, that's, that's what's so brilliant about the story because obviously... Tories like, love you know, to eat themselves, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. He was, he, he, he was expecting a plum job after, after donating something like £8 million and he wasn't given one. And this is, I think, his payback. So his allegations include that the Prime Minister spent time in a drug-taking environment at university, that he took part in bizarre, bizarre dinner tub initiated... Bizarre Dinner Club Initiation Ritual. Um, Bizarre Dinner Club Initiation Ritual is a classic episode title. And another claim about Cameron's knowledge of the peer's offshore tax status. One specific allegation is that, in the words of the Daily Mail, and this is the only time in my life I've liked the Daily Mail, Rob, Cameron took part in an initiation ceremony in which he put, in quotes, a private part of his anatomy, close quotes, into a dead pig's mouth. It cites a source, a current MP, who claims to have seen photographic evidence. Yeah, that, I, This I, would I, never I, get into a newspaper. This, no. no evidence. It allegedly took place at a notorious Oxford University drinking club, the Pierce Gaveston Society. And this is what we're going to be talking about, Rob. Downing Street has declined to comment, blah, blah, blah. So, Rob, do you know anything about the Pierce Gaveston Society? Wasn't Pierce Gaveston... There was a man called Pierce Gaveston, yes. that's right. And he was... Um, was it uh, yeah, an affair or something? He was the alleged male lover of Edward II. That's right. King yes. Ed, for, for this, for this, so I want you to listen to this. Piers Gav is a highly exclusive club made up of self-selecting group of 12 undergraduates. By the way, this is already reminding me of Skull and Bones in America. Skull yeah. and Bones is a Yale secret society which I think takes 12 or 13 members. I'm pretty sure it's 12. And which, and which nearly all members exclusively have gone on to 
to take up either high, very high positions of office or high positions in the corporate world. If anyone's interested, during the Kerry-Bush election, both Kerry and Bush were former Bonesmen, former Skull and Bones members, which when you think about a population of, what is it, 270 million? Yeah. For the two runners to both be members of a 12-member-a-year exclusive secret society who, by the way, swear a blood oath to one Alex, another. Alex, you're being unfair. This, it, I, I think it's just a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Piers Gav is a highly exclusive club made up of self-selection group of 12 undergraduates. The men-only club, named after the alleged male lover of Edward II, King of England from 1307 to 1327, was founded in 1977 and carries the motto, I'm not going to read it, it's in Latin and I don't want my Latin, it's not very good, but what does that Latin motto translate to? Truly, none remembers hearing of a man enjoying another so much. Which does rather make it sound like a... A homosexual club. It does. There's, yeah, there's certainly that uh, it's a specific sort of, maybe, uh, yeah, yeah, overtone to it. The male reports that the club encourages, in quotes, excess, high camp and ostentatious decadence. So just a minute. It's so like the Labour front, uh, Tory front bench, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so he was a member of this This is society, alleged. He says he wasn't. Uh, along with the Bullingdon Club. Yes. Piers Gaveston members are understood to be given obscure titles such as poker, dispenser and catamite. And all follow the Sicilian code of Amata. Is it Amata? Yeah. Or maintaining silence about the club. It's very homoerotic, isn't it? In fact, it prides itself on being a clandestine organisation. Now, one interesting thing, Rob, Mm. about this Guardian thing, about the Pierce Gaverson Society, is that for its summer ball, members each invite 20 guests, preferably more women than men. Of course. Who were last year given 72 hours notice when they were turned... They were told to turn up for a hired coach that would drive them to an undisclosed destination in the countryside. Now, Rob, does that remind you vaguely of any particular film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all a bit Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, it? and we have speculated many times on Eyes Wide Shut, uh, dog sex rings with dogs. Yep, yep. I, I'd like, if there's anybody out there listening who's an avid listener to this podcast, because I'm sure there is somebody somewhere, I've often said that, I'm sure there must have been a previous episode when we speculated on an Eyes Wide Shut pig ring. <laughs> It sounds like the sort of thing we'd say. So if, if anybody knows, please, um, please email us. Let us know. Now, you asked the question, what's the difference between Piers Gaveston and the Bullingdon Club, Rob? Because you asked. Mm. The Bullingdon Club is the other drinking society Cameron was known to be a member of. Most of the members of the Bullingdon Club are Old Etonians. The Prime Minister was one such member, as were London Mayor Boris Johnson and the Chancellor, George Osborne. <laughs> they wore a bespoke uniform of tailcoats, waistcoats and bow ties, which could cost thousands of pounds, making membership difficult for ordinary students. One MP who was once asked to join the club and said he walked out of a gathering in disgust, and I love this MP for saying it, said this. Have you heard this quote? No. You're going to remember this for the rest of your life. What it basically involved was getting drunk and standing on a restaurant table shouting about fucking plebs. It was all about despising poor people. He told the Daily Mail of a scene reminiscent of the film The Riot Club based on Laura Wade's play posh. You look truly horrified. This is the man, because we've been saying for a while, the Tories secretly despise poor people. So if you think Johnson, Osborne, Cameron used to stand on the Let's phrase it another way. So the Mayor of London, yes, the yes. Prime Minister and, and the, the Chancellor. Yeah, we're involved in the club which involves standing on tables and talking about fucking plebs. Which, by the way, is what one Tory uh, minister is alleged to have said to a policeman, as you know. There is no evidence that Cameron, Osborne or Johnson were involved in the excesses, though, described by the MP. 
The Bullington is still banned from meeting within a 15-mile radius of Christ Church, which I think is a Christ Church in Oxford, yeah? Yes, Christ Church after, College, yeah. After members smashed 400 windows at the college in 1927. When Evelyn Waugh published his novel Decline and Fall the following year, he probably did not expect Oxford's secret drinking club, the Bullington, or Bollinger as it's satirised in the book, to still be filling headlines in decades to come. For Waugh, the club consisted of, in quotes... Epileptic royalty from their villas of exile, uncouth peers from crumbling country seats, smooth young men of uncertain tastes from embassies and, and legations, illiterate lairds from wet granite hovels in the highlands, ambitious young barristers and conservative candidates torn from the London season and indelicate advances of deputies of debutants. All of that was the most sonorous of name and title. That was what he said. So, yeah, I know, Rob. <laughs> I think what, what amazes me, because... We've spoken off the podcast many a time. We've discussed conspiracy theories and this kind of thing. And obviously, the, the, these are secret societies. What's happened in the past week is that that it seems that those, those realms of fantasy and reality have kind of merged. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I found this fantastic article, which I'm only going to read a couple of lines from, from Vice magazine, I think it was. Um, and it was, it was uh, the headline was, it doesn't matter if David Cameron had sex with a dead pig or not. And it was very funny because it was basically saying, whatever happens, the allegation will stick. Mm. And it, I love this bit. It just says, imagine Samantha Cameron, arms firmly folded while sat primly on a chaise lounge, absolutely furious. Imagine David Cameron, keenly ignoring the phone on his hands and knees. No, Samantha, he's saying. I never fucked a pig. Because <laughs> that must be the conversation that took place after that. Imagine the year is 2017 and David Cameron's son uses the internet for the first time. Imagine the entire Conservative press team at 11pm last night, all drawing straws to see who will make the phone call. Hi, David, an intern is saying. Yeah, I know this is when you usually watch your antique show re- roadshow reruns. It's just, Lord Ashcroft has told the Daily Mail you fucked a pig. And they're trying to spin this. They're gazing at a whiteboard saying, pig fucking equals austerity? Question mark, and undoing their ties, they're imagining a world where Tessa Jowell is PM instead, and there are tears. I mean, let, let, let's just also say that, from my understanding, Down the Street have refused to comment. Yeah, they haven't come out and said categorically this did not happen. Well, apparently, what's really weird about this is somebody wrote somewhere something that 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 the best way to smear a politician is just to make up an allegation that isn't true, where it will stick. And they said, for example, saying that he fucked a pig. And it does seem that Lord Ashcroft has read this and taken this on board. This person is saying that basically, Ashcroft, I love this line, it basically says, um, this is the most baller power move a billionaire will pull in this country until Richard Branson finally explodes the moon. By the, <laughs> by the way, the most baller power move a billionaire will put in this country until Richard Branson finally explodes the moon is a good episode. Amazing. Did you, um, also, you also know... He's just said, just let me finish, Ashcroft has re- resurrected banter from out of the cave in which we buried it three years ago and elevated it to heaven. Lord Ashcroft just made banter into a high art. Lord Ashcroft just put the idea in 64 million people's head that David Cameron fucked a pig. And if you're going to mention Charlie Brooker... I am going to yes, Brooker. That is it. Satire is dead. That is the point at which satire is dead, yeah. isn't it? Charlie Brooker already imagined this scenario four years ago as the most absurd hook in an episode of Black Mirror could be hung on, and now it's real. Satire's never getting up from this. It's a knockout blow. Even if he did not stick his dick inside a pig, there is no way any of us will ever forget about it until he says the words, I did not fuck the severed head of a pig. <laughs> he can resign, refute, write a book about Lord Ashcroft doing something lewd with a swan. It doesn't matter. We will forever look at the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom and think this is a man whose penis smells of bacon. Allegedly. <laughs> Lovely. Now, Rob... Related to this is a great story from The Independent, which I'm mainly reading out because of a comment. Local Tory group to go ahead with pig race fundraiser after David Cameron pig allegations. 
Oh my God, really? Yes, from Joss Stone, 21st September, the same day these allegations came out. A local Conservative Party group will go ahead with a planned pig race fundraising event, despite allegations about David Cameron's experiences with animals, with the animals while at university. Dewsbury Murfield, Denby Dale and Kirkburton Conservative Association in York, West Yorkshire had appeared to cancel the event after the Daily Mail newspaper printed allegations that David Cameron inserted his private parts into a dead pig's head at university. Downing Street has declined to comment on the allegations, bloody, bloody, blah. Though the event was marked cancelled by the group's Facebook page, <laughs> page, a later statement by its Twitter account said the event is still going ahead. Someone was a bit premature with Facebook. The race, advertised on the group's website and Facebook, promised an exciting and unpredictable evening for those attending. Whilst fair, yeah. Pulled yeah. pork sandwiches will be served on the evening. Please let us know if you require a vegetarian option. Tickets for the event will cost £7.50. Um, I'm assuming, Rob, that you have seen this now infamous picture of David Cameron with a pig. No. You, Rob, you have not been following this story closely enough because Twitter... Everything was set alight by this story. The, the amount of gags people come up with. But this was a real picture of David Cameron taken not that long ago, which takes on a completely different meaning. Please describe for the listener. Oh, yes, I have seen this. Well, it's David Cameron looking very happy and cuddling a baby pig. Yeah, and you must remember, well, it's not that baby, but you remember the, um, the you do remember those pictures as well of him feeding those lambs, which also yes. take on a, yeah. a yeah. different meaning. Now, Rob, there was one comment I wanted to read out about this story. There are a few comments in The Independent um, that kind of, kind of the things you'd expect. The gutter press, no news, just salacious celeb-type gossip. But Disgruntled said, says, I'm not a person to revel in schadenfreude. I felt really sorry for the Queen over the Nazi salute photos, even though I'm not a royalist. I felt sorry for Jeremy Corbyn when the right-wing press and Cameron demonised him, even though I'm not, and never will be, a Labour supporter. Notwithstanding the former, I make an exception for David Cameron, who truly is an insidious, vindictive, vile excuse of a man. <laughs> Written by someone who I, who I would assume is a Tory voter. Exactly. Uh, uh, um, an insidious, vindictive, vile excuse of a man. I really want as our episode title. I mean, let's let's look back at the story. I mean, the thing that's uh, that's been the absolute hammerbell is one. It was published in the Daily Mail <laughs> of all things. Yeah. And it came. This story came. Somebody's from, out to get him. Yeah. This came from the biggest Tory party donor in the last twenty years. Well, just have a think about those Tory party ranks. Who do you think might be behind all this? Mm, good question. I can think of one name that springs to mind almost immediately. In the Tory party? Yeah. Somebody ambitious, no morals, seems probably a sociopath of some description. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someone who at one stage allegedly had a coke addiction. Yeah, George yeah. Osborne. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if anybody wants Cameron out of the picture and just to take over, because George Osborne knows he's never going to get in in an election because no, no. he's absolutely disp- despicable. Yeah. Now, Rob... I pride myself on this podcast for having balance, as you know. There's, mm. there's no bias in me, and I, I try and straddle that line between left and right and keep myself... I think last week, de- well, last week demonstrated yeah, that. I keep <laughs> myself nestled in the centre. Of course, yeah. Uh, so, in the, in the, this is very small, Rob, but i just got to end with this, really, okay. in the interest of uh, balance. Um, I was just reading about um, the Labour Party... And um, there is a, a Labour MP, I don't know the first name, but her surname is McCarthy. And she's the first vegan MP ever. Right. And she said, my personal views are my personal views, but in terms of Labour Party policy, promoting animal welfare is something we've always done, and promoting sustainable farming. I'm personally happy working with farmers. Corbyn himself is a vegetarian. Did you know that? No. And has been for almost 50 years. Me, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He has been for almost 50 years, Rob. And he said, I became one at 20 when I was working in a pig farm. I got attached to the pigs. <laughs> See, Rob, they're all at it. Yeah.
Okay, Rob, you've got a story for us there. Yeah, it's only a short one. Um, it's from the Ilford Recorder by uh, Ralph Blackburn. I'm not sure if he's in relation to Tony. Oh, not. Um, headline. Terrified grandmother taken to hospital after rat bite in Wood Green Park. Woodford Greens Park, sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I am being taken right back to you know what. You must know the story I'm being taken back to. Rat bite? Rob, no. The story from Parker about an elderly woman in a park in Washington State, Washington DC I think it was, Yep, actually, who was attacked by a rabid raccoon. That's right. And strangled it to death. Yes. This is... That's the American blown up big Hollywood story. Ours is going to be pitiful compared to that. And I would bet my bottom dollar that the old lady did not strangle the rat to death. Uh, no, you've really talked about the story and I think you're probably right to do so. Right. Uh, Redbridge Council says it is now baiting the green on a weekly basis in an attempt to drive out the rats. <laughs> Neville, I mean, this is, let's face it, this is a, an elderly couple. Neville and Gilliam Himes were visiting their daughter and granddaughter at the green between Manor Road and Chugwell Road and say they were surrounded by rats. <laughs> oh, a gang. Like my parents with those, uh, oh, with with those ponies. wild ponies. Yeah. Neville, 59, told the recorder they were running through the grass and swimming in the pond. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it before. Running in the grass and swimming in the pond. It sounds like a day out for a rat family. To yeah, he doesn't know this is exactly what might have happened. They might have gone, this might be an annual break, yeah. yeah um, there were literally hundreds and hundreds, too many to count. It was absolutely horrific. <laughs> what was it, was it? What? Do you think he's talking this up? Hundreds and hundreds of rats. 59. Well, so it's too early for dementia. (laughs) They're not that elderly, Rob. 59? No, I suppose not. No. I mean, but maybe they just have have a lot going on in their lives. I mean, they they were obviously meeting, what was it, their their daughter and granddaughter down in the local park. What the hell was going on? And they're surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of rats. The rats drowning. Well, I mean, it's, it's fair to say that, of course, uh, the Woodford constituency is Ian Duncan Smith. I'm not sure if that's relevant. Um, Rats are leaving the sinking ship. <laughs> uh, Gillian was bitten and taken to hospital to check for infections. Can I just say on that? This is, I've got no evidence this whatsoever. But I would wager a lot of money if it could be proved that at some time in his life Ian Duncan Smith has described poor people as rats. Yes, I think I think there's a high fair. percentage chance at some point in his life that word has been used. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I have no, uh, uh, you know, no basis on which to make that. No, but I, th- I think that's the kind of uh, better the, the bookage would take. Right. Uh, Neville said she was absolutely terrified. My young, my young, what was again? Neville said she was absolutely terrified. My young, my one-year-old granddaughter also ran away. Gillian in South End was given a clean bill of health. And has since complained to the council. Clean bill of health for what? Because she was bitten by one, was she? Yeah, she was bitten by a rat. Can I just say, if anybody could hear the sound of running water in the background, that was my boiler doing something. It wasn't me suddenly taking an impromptu urination. It's good to know. Uh, on the podcast. A spokesman explained pest control officers are baiting the area and said, unfortunately the problem is not helped by the members of the public persistently feeding the birds. Pest control experts told the recorded investigation in August there's been a significant rise in rats over the past year and a half. Can you imagine? Let's go down the park, darling, and feed the rats. <laughs> <laughs> a bag of bread. What's wrong with that? You could be surrounded. I mean, yeah, I used to feed uh, ducks with bread, stale bread, all the time. My dad when I was little, and now there are signs up in the same park that I used to go on as little, saying "Don't do this." It's meant to be incredibly bad for them. Yes, yeah, because the rats. Well, can... no, 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 it's because it makes them very fat. Apparently, it's not good for. Or it's not good for them. Bread, ducks, and bread. It's like feeding chips to swans. You know, it's not meant. And to rice to pigeons. And rice, right, yeah, which right. makes them explode. Apparently, is that true? Yeah. Did not know that. That sounds like a fun activity. 
I mean, well, we need also, Alex, but well, literally just spontaneously combust. It's why they, it's why they stopped. They asked people to stop using um, rice, throwing rice at weddings. That's why they insist on. Con- what about con- rice krispies? Will they go snap, crackle, and pop? <laughs> on that note, I have uh, th- 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 <laughs> this is complete coincidence because we didn't know what we were just about to no. talk to with 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 pigeons and rice at all. <laughs> um, but I remembered as we finished that story that I had a very short story. I mean, it's completely inconsequential. It's more the headline I'm reading it out for. Um, it's from the Bournemouth Echo, Rob. Okay. And it's from the 3rd of September, so it was a little while ago, but I had to read it just for the headline. Prepare yourself. I think it's one of the best headlines we've had. Unfortunately, the story doesn't... You want detail and you don't get it. It's a shame. Go on, then. Hit me. Um, okay. Man who pulled head off pigeon in Facebook video given court order. <laughs> <laughs> oh. A poor man who was filmed pulling the head off a wood pigeon has been handed a five-year criminal behaviour. And he filmed it and put it on Facebook. Why but, would you do that? What's, what's the matter with society? I remember These once, people are rats! I remember once reading in the Sun newspaper about... I, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. A man who had an argument with his wife. And in the, in the commotion, uh, reached into the birdcage, pulled out the parrot and ripped its head off. <laughs> we have talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah. So the video is later uploaded to Facebook. Appearing at Bournemouth Magistrates Court on February 26th, a 25-year-old entered a guilty plea to one count of killing a wild bird and was sentenced to a six-month conditional discharge. That wow. sounds revolting. Six-month conditional discharge. Anyway, yeah, I think it's worth sounds discharge. Like a, sounds like a sort of infection. Yeah. Um, on August 28th, at the same court, he was issued a criminal behaviour order with conditions intended to prevent his harming wild animals or being involved in antisocial behaviour. Police Sergeant Andy Napper. Good name. Andy Napper, like Of Rossmore, Alderney, Brankensome and Newtown Safety... Oh, fucking hell, that's a long title. <laughs> Safer Neighbourhood Team says, This order sends a strong message. It will be tough on those who commit rural crime, animal cruelty and antisocial behaviour in Dorset. Pigeon crime, Rob. The order states that Cochrane of Arne Avenue must not act or incite others to act in an antisocial manner or use threatening, intimidating, insultive or abusive words. Maybe insulted the pigeon as he ripped its head off. <laughs> He also is also prohibited from being in possession of a wild animal or wild bird or any part of the same, living or dead, from being in possession of a catapult in a public place or on private land as a trespasser. That's awfully specific. Pers- yeah. <laughs> so basically, he must have catapulted a pigeon, specific. taken it home, ripped his head off, and put it on Facebook. As you do, uh, etc. So that is that story, Rob. But uh, had to be read considering we were just talking about pigeons. But uh, when I looked up that story, because I was searching for if I could find any more detail, mm. there were a surprising amount of stories of people ripping heads off pigeons. That's alarming. Yeah, it, it is alarming. Why, 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 why do people do this, Alex? I don't understand w- what the motivation behind that is. Uh, Are they hoping to find some sort of uh, some sort of online fame? Uh, rage, I think, would be the motivation. <laughs> Maybe. And and again. As I say, this was not pre-scripted. Rebecca Flood now from the 17th of September from the New Shopper. This is an update for you, Rob, because you enjoyed this story. Resident, this is a very shit headline. But residents have questioned whether a feral seagull previously seen eating pigeons has oh, returned. God. Amazing. Residents have taken to social media to question if the killer seagull that lurks in Plumstead has returned. Do you remember this story? I do, I do indeed. Shocked residents of Plumstead were horrified back in June this year when there were claimed sightings of a feral killer seagull (laughs) spotted munching through pigeons. There were claims the winged creature ate up to four a day, but others put the number as high as ten. This was a real day-to-day type story. Yes, we know you had a big... Trying to speculate how on earth they knew this. Yeah, you had a big issue with it, Rob. Residents on the Plumstead People Facebook page eyed what could be the cannibal walking near Plumstead Common Road. Philip Windeet posted, I saw him tucking into a pigeon in Majendee Road. Aggressive eating style as well. It's a fucking seagull. What do you expect? Him using life and fork? (laughs) Yes. And a nice napkin. Yeah. Perhaps well fed... 
Garforth Pang, who posted the picture, captioned Killer Seagull on the prowl, added, he was strutting around like Mick Jagger. <laughs> Have you seen the Killer Seagull? What's wrong with these people? Get in touch below. Um, a couple of comments. Brad25577 says, Pigeon are seen as flying, pigeons are seen as flying rats and a nuisance to the public. That was Ken Livingstone who called them that, wasn't it? Hmm. So really losing a few of them. Is there a big issue here? Nature being nature? Yeah, that's true. Natural selection and all that. Beast Baz says a seagull killing and eating up to 10 pigeons a day gets a big thumbs up by me. Just wish you could bring his mates along to organically and naturally cull the pigeon population. Does, does it then take a slightly um, dark turn and suggest that they start picking off the immigrants? Um, Rob, not everybody in, in, in the comment section of the New Shopper and the Bournemouth Echo are anti-immigration. I will grant you that it's a substantial number, but there are some decent folk in this area. It's just difficult to believe. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> okay, Rob, I feel like we're rattling along at a breakneck speed this week. Yeah, I think we are, yeah. We need um, to slow down, Rob. Well, I'm going to do this story, which I hadn't last week, but unfortunately our, our general aesthetic segment took a, a bit more time, but I think it was needed. Um, basically, I came across this story, because you remember last week we featured the listener story from Jack in Todmorden yes. about the restaurant... Um, who fuck you that. lady that's the one well I was looking on that on that article which then came up with this story which I think is just as good as that so this is from again the Manchester Evening News um, the story is by sounds like that might be after paper you look at more often might have some gems I think it might need to yeah because we picked out a few good stories from there I must admit the, the Manchester story... Evening News or men yes right. that's right yeah no. um, the story is by Richard Wheatstone and the headline Chaff cheap trash. Bride to be left outraged over swanky restaurant's response to online review. <laughs> oh, 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 amazing! Did did he break off the uh, the you know the marriage? Uh, I don't I don't know. Forty seven King Street West told Melissa Gordon Mer- uh, Melissa Grogan Morgan. Doesn't sound like she's cheap trash. Chaff tra- I can't really speak. Cheap trash. That's a different Cheap chav trash. Thank you. You are um, judging books by their covers. <coughs> You're right, Alex. Which is a mistake. Via Facebook. Can I, say, can I say something on that? Yeah. I've long had a problem with the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. <coughs> I think you can judge a book by its cover. I've often... Well, yeah, because I've often picked up a book and then read the, the cover on the outside and then we'll think, oh, I might buy that book. Or, this looks shit. Yes, I think that's fair. If there's... Right, Rob, I, I'm just going to give you an example. Stay there. Right. I've seen this book before. If you, if you read out that, right, so you see this book in a bookshop, I want you to read out everything that it says on the front, from top uh, to bottom. A Spider Shepherd thriller. I don't yes. know who Spider Shepherd was. Uh, Stephen Leather, Soft Target. There's only one thing more dangerous than a corrupt cop. Right. What's that Does thing? that book look good or bad? It looks like a very cheap, uh, well, thriller, really. Right, and now if you read the back, Meet Dan Shepherd, SAS Troopers Turned Undercover Cop. Soft target. There's only one thing more dangerous than a corrupt cop, and that's a corrupt cop with a gun. When a, <laughs> Sorry. when a group of armed police in an elite unit turn maverick and start to rip off drug dealers at gunpoint, undercover cop Dan Spider Shepard is given his most dangerous mission so far. Shepard is ordered to infiltrate the tight-knit team to gain their confidence and to ultimately betray them. Facing men with guns is nothing new for the former SAS trooper, but it's the first time he's had to investigate his own. And the job couldn't have come at a worse time for him. As Shepard finds himself in the firing line, he has to decide exactly where his loyalties lie. 
for evening standard edition, not for resale. <laughs> now, Rob, can you judge that book by its front and back cover? Yeah, quasi. Yeah. And one day, Rob, because we talked about this once before, didn't we? I think I need to read this and find some excerpts. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should take, just take five minutes each week and then read out some classic <laughs> lines. Because it does look brilliant. brilliant. Anyway, so yes, you can judge. I'm sorry for that tangent, but you can Don't judge worry. a book by its cover. That is settled. That's been proved. Yeah. Fact. 47 King Street West told Melissa Grogan Morgan via Facebook her friends and family wouldn't know fine dining if it slapped them in their ugly faces. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, it's like 40 Towers. <laughs> this is... <laughs> You wouldn't know fine dining if it slapped you in your ugly faces. They put, posted this publicly. <laughs> Isn't that just a fantastic comment? Yeah. Um, the bride-to-be was left stunned after a swanky restaurant called her hen party. Swanky? Yes. Is it, is it called Swanky Restaurant? No, no, no. Right, no, no, right. no, no. no the, the restaurant is called uh, 47 King Street West. I mean, it's not the greatest name in the world, but at least it's accurate. Um, it's a sound up market, isn't it? Yeah. Called her hen party cheap, uh, chav cheap trash peasants and ugly in an acid tone response to online reviews Miss Grogan Morgan 27 was joined by her 17 friends and family for a hen, hen, uh, hen party meal at 47 King Street West in Manchester City Centre but posted negative feedback on his Facebook page after being disappointed with the attitude of staff What did, do we have a review? Yes we do Yes Yes, yes. Melissa, originally from Old Trafford, was then open-mouthed when the restaurant's account uh, replied to her post with a vicious tirade calling her group, which spent up to £600 at the venue, vile people and bottom of the bowel. (laughs) It just goes better. Uh, What was her review? I'll I'll come on to that. It said, the chappiest, worst, most vile people ever to grace our restaurant. (laughs) It's not the fault of the restaurant, it's the fault of the, it's the, fault of the, the diners. Robert. Right, okay, so this is what she put. Me and a friend booked this restaurant for a Hindu. When we arrived, we waited for a while before being shown to our tables. The restaurant somehow thought it was acceptable to put ten of us onto a table and eight of us on another. Um, well, she wanted a table for 18, did she? Yeah, she wanted, yeah, and they put it on There two are many tables, tables in restaurants for 18 people. No, but you can move them together. And you, can't, you don't have to separate Rob, Rob, them. Eight, I've never been to a restaurant and seen 18 people eating together. Can you remember when you've seen that? Yeah, I was at a table with 18 people eating together the other day. Where? Uh, up in, well, it was a work pub. thing. Well, it was actually uh, my partner's work. Right. Anyway, but, yeah, but I, I, I'll take your point. Um, which was never outlined to us before arrival. Then they said there was no, there's nothing they could do, as it just wasn't possible to sit 18 on the same table, despite the fact the manager... That's the, unfortunately, that's the end of the comment. It doesn't give, give any more details. Cause despite the fact it must the manager... Quite, it, it must have been quite a long comment. However, the restaurant responded to this. That's not what I was going to say. No, hang on. Let's finish that sentence. Despite the, the manager... Sitting at a table with 50 people, who <laughs> all claim to be his family. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is by Lindsay Herald, which I'm guessing was a party of the Hindu. So anyway... Heron? Uh, Lindsay Heron, yeah. Right, part of the Hendrick. Not, yeah, not a bird. Yeah. We've got a lot of birds this week, Rob. Seagulls, <laughs> pigeons. Uh, herons. Herons. Yeah. Hens. So the and restaurant pigs. in question... Pigs might fly. Yeah. Responds to this. Can I saying, just say that? Can I just say this is... I know I always say this isn't prescriptive, but this is... Considering this is a very Forty Towers esque story, one of the most famous scenes from Forty Towers, of course, is when Basil Forty goes upstairs to Manuel's room and finds him with a rat... Oh yes, Basil the Rat. Yeah, and he says to him that they've got some pigeons on the roof, on the water tank that he's taking out, and there's a great exchange because Manuel thinks he means pigs. Yeah, he couldn't. He uh, starts going oink oink, and he had to get the dictionary out and so then piggy whole, on. This whole episode wraps up into a neat little bow, Rob. I quite like that. Yeah. It's nice. So anyway, the, re- the, the 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 restaurant commented to her friend's comment. 
and just basically responded by saying cheap track uh, cheap chav trash hen party can I just say this is worse than the fuck off lady yeah story. he's much like, worse turned him over an hour late but for 10 then there were 20 never seen fine dying their lives the bottom of the barrel of society well look, we're going to come on to her comment now so right. this is actually this is the, the bride to be so this is the negative comment that she left I'll start with the good points restaurant was nice and the food was fab However, the service was awful. My friends booked this restaurant for my Hindu for 18 of us. Originally, it was only 10, but numbers grew, and they let the restaurant know about it in plenty of time. However, we were sat on two separate tables that weren't next to each other. With my friends oh. arrived to, to set up, they questioned this. Once again, the restaurant responds. And this is what they said. The chaviest, most vile people ever to grace our restaurant wouldn't know fine dining if it slapped them in their ugly faces. <laughs> Best thing ever is if they won't return. Bottom of the barrel. And, of, and five out of the 18 had turned up an hour and, a, and 10 minutes late after booking time and expected fresh starters. Are you having a laugh? Clean never eat out in a, in a decent restaurant in their lives. What absolute trash. We pity the groom. <laughs> this goes on. <laughs> and the supplements of the dishes were marked where the offer was advertised. So I'm guessing it's about getting right. money off the bill. Uh, selective knowledge again. Just the lowest of the low looking for a reduction on the bill. Known tactics and trash like this. Conveniently, also, they also ignored the no confetti policy at the restaurant that they were told about. They littered the place with their rubbish, so every guest after them had to suffer their trash. I hope they didn't use rice as confetti, Rob, because we could have had a few exploding pictures. Good point. And they used the, uh, the very uh, funny hashtag, no more cheap hen parties. <laughs> 47, 42 King Street describes itself as a modern upmarket French and uh, British restaurant and opened in 2011. The, resp- the restaurant has been contacted for response, but has so far been unavailable. And unfortunately, there's no comments on the, story, uh, on the story. Can I just say, Rob, and this might be somewhere where me and Craig can bond again with him being a Liverpool fan. We do have to take this man's comments, this restaurant's comments, in light of the fact that this lady, despite her name and her kind of rather posh name, is from Manchester. Uh, no, Alex, it's worse. She's from Stoke. Okay, Rob, it's time for our listener's story of the week. And, oh my, if anybody can hear this, Rob and I are at a pig farm. They sound really distressed. What's going on? I don't know, Rob, but Rob and I have come down here, like the serious investigative journalists we are, to basically interview these pigs and find out if the former Prime Minister or any other top-ranking government minister have been doing anything untoward. Uh, We should call it something. Operation... Snout. Oh. (laughs) Operation Snout. (laughs) Do you reckon they'll squeal, Rob? Oh, I certainly hope so. Yeah. Oh no, we're not here for that. It was a pun. Oh, oh, I see. Right, sorry. Okay. It doesn't matter. Bloody hell, it's quite scary. Did you bring anything to eat? Because um, I did have some. I've got some pork scratchings. I don't eat pork, Rob, but oh, I don't, and I think that's insensitive. Well, you know, I could find it in the pub. Oh, right. I've got some scampi fries as well. Scampi and fries? No, scampi fries. Oh right, yeah. cool. I was hoping we'd have a decent meal for once, but no, it's just crisps. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, Rob, what's this story you've got? Right. Well. Can I say it really smells around here? Yeah, they, I must admit, it's not a pleasant smell, is it? Some of these pigs are quite sexy. I don't, I don't think you should be saying this kind of thing. Right, but I'm beginning to understand why now, you know. Well, the I former mean, Prime is... Minister might have been... Uh, well, what's it? I'm dead yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is randomly stopped. Anyway, before we get down to the investigation... Um, so we've gone from woodland animal murder detectives to, 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 to farmyard... 
abuse investigators. Rob, is that right? Farmyard abuse well, investigators. I, I think I think it's fair to say that we like to keep our, our options open because, I mean, as we said before, we weren't that good at being... Rob, please stop downplaying it, Rob. You keep saying Alex, that. we never solved any crimes. Yeah. Well, you, you, I solved some. Did you? Yes. Which ones in particular? Just from fresh my Rob, memory. there's too many to talk about. Let's right. get on with the story. Anyway, this story is from Kybra. Now, it's only a short story. Um, Fucking hell. No wonder they made sure the pig was dead before he put his dick in Jesus it. Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> um, now, I apologise, Kybra. You've posted this a while back, and I'm sorry I haven't picked this up. It's, on the Facebook, it's from the Facebook page. Now, so it's a new short story. It's a list, but it's just so tedious. I think we need to feature it. Right, well, why do you think at the end of this podcast I want to be put through tedium, Rob? Well, because I know that the future that's going to come after it as well, I go through a lot of tedium, so I feel that it's it, fair. Kind of, it kind of works out. Now, we do like the banal, the, the, the pointless banal stories, we don't do. we? Go on, then hit me with it. Right, so this is from the... Can we just walk away from these pigs just a little bit? I think that's wise. They, are rather, they, they sound distressed. Rather, rather loud. There's no journalist, which I, I'm not really surprised, uh, because it, it's kind of this kind of story that you wouldn't want to put your name to, really. Right. Um, so the headline for the story, Lunchtime Life in Derby. Headless gingerbread man and strawberry umbrellas. What? Some fruity umbrella choices, a woman with a spring in her step and couple taking selfies were among things our reporter spotted in Derby in today's Lunchtime Life. Oh my God, they have a feature called Lunchtime Life. So Hang literally, on. it's a journalist who goes out and looks at what people are doing. It's exactly that. I mean, are they really that desperate? Andy they Parks just... is listening to our podcast now thinking, fuck, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> so from the hours... Gold, that's gold. <laughs> so from the hours of 12 and 2, I can still imagine a reporter just sitting there with his little notepad, literally in the city centre. What? They're just sitting in the office making it up, mate. <laughs> Rob, can I, I just say, whatever I... happens... To the... This is... This, I can, I, the integrity of the story is coming through. Can I just say, do you remember that period of time for about a couple of months where every week... Every day, all the local papers we were looking at were obsessed with lists. Yeah. Top ten this, top five that. That's gone now. It has. It's just completely disappeared. The great list era. It's a shame. It's, it's, it's a time that's passed and, and yeah. it's time we will ne- may never see again. So, okay, here we go. Right. Um, did you spot anything weird or wonderful today? Let us know. This is what we spotted. I spotted Number one. The Prime Minister with his head in the, in the, in the, in the, with his dick in the head of a dead pig. I think you should report that. Allegedly. Possibly not. Allegedly. (laughs) Number one. Three gingerbread men having a TGI moment as they lost their heads this week in store. Don't worry, the weekend is on us here, guys. I don't understand. What does he... Uh, They they basically saw three broken gingerbread men in a shop. Right. (laughs) Oh, this poor jerk. He's probably so depressed, Rob. Like, he was hoping to make it in the national press and and he's having to do this. He's like having to show his partner. What do you think? And she's like... Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> a child could have written that. It has actually got the picture of the gingerbread man. As yes, well. go on then. Okay, uh, let me bring it up. There you go. Oh, actually, there's a few. It says view gallery, but there we are. You can see the gingerbread man. There's probably other pictures. Yes, they've been broken. Oh, right. no. Well, they were going to get broken when you ate them anyway. Uh, number two. A massive giant flowers in Eagle Market, uh, Eagle Market, suggesting that summer is still here to enjoy. Or a cyclist died. <laughs> good point. Yes, that's also right. true. Number three. The ram in East Street looking a little damp, but he ensures us that his exterior doesn't represent Derby County's FC results this weekend. A ram? Yeah. I'm, so they I'm, spoke to a live ram whose I mean, wool was a bit wet and it spoke back to them. I, I'm thinking the ram is a pub. <laughs> I think it's a pub. 
The Prime Minister came last week. Get help. <laughs> Number four. A woman kick-starting her weekend with a manicure and a pedicure in a beauty shop in... in Sorry, what else that weird and wonderful? It's just an ordinary day. They're reporting on seeing a woman walk into a shop having a, mani- ma- a pedicure. Yeah. Alex, she's, is she the only woman in there who does it? She was it? Kick-starting, kick-starting her weekend. It was going well for her. Number five. Some amazing weather prediction. Uh, sorry, to Rob, m- is this article a joke? <laughs> no, Alex. It's not satire. No. Right. Number five. Some amazing weather uh, protection choices, such as a massive strawberry and a choice of Spider-Man umbrellas. Number six. A group of people enjoying vanilla scoops and chocolate-dipped cones near Derby's Marketplace. Rob, aren't there episode titles all the way through this? A giant strawberry and a selection of Spider-Man umbrellas? I mean, <laughs> yeah. they seem to be everywhere. What was the last one? Um... A group of people enjoying vanilla scoops in dipped chocolate cones near the Darby, near Darby's marketplace. Well, who is reading this article? <laughs> Don't know, Alex. The people in this area must be close to death. Number seven. This is this is the epitome of local anaesthetic. Yeah, you know that yeah. mind-numbing local news. Our old slogan. Number so, seven. Pink raincoats are on the trend when when mixed up. Sorry, let me start again. Number seven. Pink raincoats are on trend when mixing up your summer wardrobe, as six people were spotted wearing them within two minutes in the city centre. So he's now counting how right, many people counting... are wearing a certain colour raincoat. Yeah, yeah. Six pink, four yellow, one black. Yeah. Uh, number eight. It's a couple taking a brilliant selfie by the bus stop. Right. This is a man on the edge, Alex. How do you know it's a brilliant selfie? I don't know. Did he photobomb them? <laughs> I love that. To be fair, he's probably had nothing else to do. Number nine. A woman with a black and white frilly umbrella has a skip in her step whilst walking down St. Peter's Street and talking on the phone. This person seems obsessed by umbrellas and raincoats. Well, I'm Rob. guessing the thing was it was raining. That's the point he's trying to make out. And number ten. Why do you say I went out it was raining and it was sod all to see? Because <laughs> so far you've reported on nothing. Yeah. Number ten. Great offers on camping gear in some stores. They obviously didn't get the, the weather warning. God. That's the end of the article. He doesn't even sign off. Oh, then there's some, there's some comments. <laughs> right, okay. So, see, how is it that people comment on this story but not on the last story? I don't understand that. Well, surely, I mean, surely it's better that people... But no, I, I suppose if... Who's they, reading that? Somebody to comment on the story means they've read it from beginning to end. Yeah, okay, right. Uh, so, first commenter, uh, Julie Jane says... Isn't it time that the inane, grinning editor puts two fingers to his keyboard to justify this daily rubbish, given the amount of people complaining about it? Rob, I think you have to start monitoring this newspaper because it looks like it could be an absolute goldmine. Can you put it on your hit list? Yeah, sure. Uh, tops. Tops, tops, I think that's right. I wonder why, in the lunchtime sorties around Derby, the DT reporters never spot the Motley, the Motley, cur- the Motley Curls? Yeah. Commudgeons and all-round misery guts who insist on sending in their sneering and superior comments, deriding an innocent, light-hearted attempt to brighten the day. Maybe it's because these people all have important business to attend to and much more worthwhile things to do than somewhere else. Oh, wait. Good point. Yeah. Roomface says, I saw a man go to Barclays Bank and five minutes later come back out. <laughs> who knows what hilarity has prevailed behind those doors. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I read it really badly. Anyway. No, I enjoyed it. Um... Barbara Gray says, I'm sure that children could write better articles than this trivel that adorns the paper each day. That, that was my point. Yeah. Please, I'll stop buying this paper. 
uh, sorry, please have stopped buying the paper copy a while ago. What a waste of money. Can you imagine if you bought the paper copy of this, Rob, and this story was inside? I really hope this is just a website Rob, Can story. I just say, it sounds like they're doing that every day. I Rob, really hope they are. Can you monitor this? I Rob? hope Rob, there's literally a dearth of about 30 stories. Rob, you have to... Or isn't Kyber from Derby? He is. I think that, well, that's why it's come from him. So we need to start asking him to, uh, to be our, our correspondent for the Derby Telegraph, Rob. Can you ask him? Do you think you can ask him to be our correspondent for the Yeah, Derby? I think he'd be okay with that. Yeah, but, but you monitor it as well, because, I mean, that just sounds absolutely fantastic. And on that note, Rob, um, it's time, Rob, to bring this episode to a close because we've got some pigs to go off and fu- um, not, uh, investigate. Sorry, investigate pigs. Yes, that's what we're doing here. Yes. Nothing else. Well, okay. I want whatever that prime minister had. Fair enough. <laughs> right. Um, yes, Rob. So we bring episode 153 now to a close, Rob, and we look forward with a mixture of eager anticipation yet trepidation, Rob, to episode 154 as we move ever more forward. Like as we move ever more forward, like. Um, a secret society wheeling forth a, a skewered pig into the centre of the room where the members of that society slowly drop their trousers and then try to somehow maintain erection. Just like that, we move ever more forward to our next episode, which, as I say, will be episode 154. So all that remains, Rob, as we uh, just leave these pigs alone now for a second, Yeah, Rob, is to say goodbye to this episode. Yes, great. Bye, Rob. And we can be contacted on uh, various bye, mediums. No, oh, I do that bit. No, bye, Rob. What are you doing now? Sorry, I'm, I'm confused. Rob, bye. I'm leaving now. Alice, I don't want you to put this voice on every week. It's just it's, it's a bit strange. Bye, Rob. I like your jumper. Thanks. At least you're not wearing that smelly Puma t-shirt again. <laughs> that, that, it's that, gone yellow. That t- it hasn't gone yellow. That t-shirt's only a few months old. Well, it must be your pits then. It's turned yellow already. That might be true. <laughs> yeah, Bye. Okay, see you next week then. You're not coming back. We're, we're, this is over. <laughs> this is over between us. How are you going to stop me coming back, Rob? I could try strangling you. <laughs> Just a thought. Okay, <laughs> I'm getting a cab. Bye. Right, yeah, you do that. Okay, well, threats of violence. Um, interesting. Um, yeah, so we can be found on our, generally disturbed. <laughs> we can be found on our website which is lapodcast.net we can be found on our website which is lapodcast.net from there you can find all of our previous episodes you can download them to your computer to whatever uh, if you go to iTunes of course you can search for LA Podcast and there you can download all of our previous episodes you can leave a review you can importantly subscribe please subscribe because that's how we get noticed on iTunes, isn't it, Rob? Yeah. Sorry, I think I just spat on your phone, did I? Oh, no, I thought, I thought I was me, personally. It could have been, okay. Rob. <laughs> who knows who it was? Um, and uh, we can be found on uh, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash LA podcast. We're on Tumblr, tumblr.com forward slash LA podcast. And, of course, you can tweet us at LA podcast. What's happening with the Instagram account, Rob? Did you ever mention Yep, it? it's going well. Right, okay. Is that going to die soon, is it? Well, I mean, no. Someone guessed it last week. I didn't... I mean, it was Shay. We haven't had enough time yet since last week. Whatever. And if you want to submit us a story, you can tweet us, you can post it to Facebook, or you can email us at lapodcast.net at gmail.com. That's it. We're off. God bless. And keep it local. (laughs) 